Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 153. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Angela Stowell. Angela, are you feeling unstoppable today? completely unstoppable. You have no idea. Yes. All right. Let me just give the folks a quick introduction and then we'll dive into this. Hailing from Baker City, Oregon, Angela Stowell got her start in the hospitality industry, scooping ice cream, and boy, has she come a long way. Uh, She climbed the ladder from server to wine sales to her current role as chief financial officer at Ethan Stowell Restaurants, which consists of, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but nine restaurants, all of which have their own concepts uh, and then two pizza shops and a wine cellar and an artisan pasta shop. Like you have so much going around on and I know. <laughs> you can correct me. I, if I actually, and, it. And, and, and you actually missed one. We actually just opened um, a restaurant in the four seasons uh, hotel here called goldfinch tavern. So oh, man, yeah, man. we're our, uh, <laughs> we're ever, expi- we're, we're ever expanding. So. I can't wait to learn how you guys juggle everything that's going on. There must be some serious delegation mm-hmm. and structure and I'm sure we can learn a lot from you on that. Um, But before we dive into this interview, I want to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling, Angela, with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us today? Well, I think that really the key to to my success, and you know, my husband is also my business partner, and I think the key to our success as as a couple and as, as business partners is that it's, it's important for us in the industry to give back, and that's both to give back to our community, to give back to our family, and to give back to our employees. And that's really, you know, an intertwining order. Obviously, our family comes first uh, all the time, but, you know, it's really important for us to feel like we're giving back to our employees and we're giving back to our community. So I, I think that that's really the cornerstone of who we are. I love it, Angela. And when I started this podcast, like I, I've learned so much since the beginning. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is the people that are super successful, really, that they got to where they are is because they're always thinking about everyone else. And it's just that constant giving and just putting other people's needs, their guest needs, their employee needs. And like it's that server leadership mentality um, that I just love. And I hear that coming through already. So this is going to be a great interview. Uh, do you want to add anything to that before we move on? No, I think that you you got it. Awesome. So, um, let's find out more about you. And like, was there a time, Angela, um, when you can just think back to when you knew that this industry was going to be more than just a job, and when you knew you wanted to pivot and just focus on this as a career? Can you like reflect to like one moment when you just knew? Yeah, you know, I well, you know, I think many of us try to leave this industry, and we just can't. We're sucked back in, and so. I was working for a political organization. I was planning a, um, on going to law school. And then someone came to me and said, you know, your waiting table's on the side. What about getting into the wine business? And then I just thought, you know what? If I do this, I am in this industry. And so <laughs> I, and so I did. I said yes. And, the, and you know, that kind of dovetailed into um, meeting my husband. He had one restaurant at the time. And then it just seemed like a really natural fit for us. We worked really well together. And so then we um, helped expand from his one restaurant to now 
12. I know. 13. It's been crazy. Wow. I mean, and what was it about the industry that made you say, you know what, maybe this is going to be my career? Like, was there one thing about it that just drew you towards it that you loved the most? I think that it's a combination of a passion for a craft and a passion for just this lifestyle of enjoying not just good food and good wine, but enjoying the people around you and getting in, you know, around a table and either, you know, as a server, you're witnessing that when you're, when you're serving your guests or you're experiencing that when you're in the restaurant yourself. And just to be part of that culture, I think draws a lot of people in. And I also think the people who, who are drawn into that, the restaurant culture are just their own, it's just own like subsect of people who don't quite, you know, fit in to <laughs> the corporate world and they don't, you know, they, it's just, you're all, you're just a little bit different. You want something a little bit different for your life and you want to kind of share that community. And I think that that's what pulls people in and makes you either pulls you back in or makes you stay. Absolutely. I think it's that culture of, you know, it's those who aren't afraid to be themselves and aren't afraid to zig when everyone else is zagging that really do stand out in this industry and tend to be the most successful because they just they're themselves they just be themselves and they just own it. You no, know, here I am, here I remain is one one of my I think it was Sam Lewinton uh, said uh, one of the quotes and it's just so true. Like you just are who you are, you own it, and you just this industry is just so receptive of that, and I love it. I hear what you're saying. And it's you know, and it's almost one of those things you're actually celebrated for. It. <laughs> like you know, you're you're celebrated for being you know, an individual on your own and whether that's as a server or, you know, behind the line as a chef. And I think that's really great, though. I think that the other thing that it does is it's an intense sense of teamwork that you have to have. So mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty great combination. Yeah, I love it. And I can tell you love it. And this is going to be a great episode. I can wait to start diving into some of <laughs> these, these uh, knowledge away. bombs. I'm sure you're going to drop on it so let's find out a little bit more about you and what makes you successful Angela if you could like narrow it down to like one or two maybe three habits or characteristics you possess and you think most contribute to your success what would they be well I think that you know when you have as many restaurants um as we have I think prioritizing is probably the number one thing that I have to do because you can't be in 13 different places at once you know, I have two small kids. You have to kind of prioritize how you're you're going to map out your day, and you have to, you know, set a task list. And I, mm. you know, I am an avid task setter on my phone, on pieces of paper. There will be little post-it notes everywhere, and then I'll put it in my phone. And I just, I have to stay on task. And, it, and for me, I need to have things that I can cross off my list and move on to another. And I think that, you know, not procrastinating and just getting to it, um, and getting your task done is probably my number one thing that, that I think has helped uh, be us to be a little bit more successful. I love it. And are there any tools specifically? You said you, you write them down, you have your sticky notes, but you said you put them in your phone. How do you manage all these tasks? How do you stay on top of it? Well, so actually my husband and I share a calendar because we have so many overlapping either meetings or, you know, tasks that one of us needs to cross off our list. So, I mean, if you see our Google calendar, it's, People are often frightened when they when they look at it, and it's just like ten events on every single day. But if you do that, then you can literally just say, "Okay, that's done. I can move on. That's done. I can move on." Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of that's the way that I organize my life as far as in my phone. But um, um, I'm sure that 
I'm sure that if I had it just on a piece of paper, it would end up like in the in between the seat of my car, and I would never get anything done. <laughs> yeah, I love. I use Google calendars too. And I mean, there's so many just like little things, like reminders, alerts you can set. Like it's so hard to remember everything that you have to remember in this industry. But if you can set those reminders, like you can just like you you don't have to get stressed out about worrying if you remember things. Like you just get it scheduled. If something comes up, you just put it in your calendar, right. and boom, it's right there. And I think that's a great tool we can all use. And um, kind of talked about your ability to. Uh, not procrastinate i mean dive a little bit more into that before we move on yeah well i mean i think that we we all get into you know whether it's your you know i I don't know i i just remember being you know my early 20s i was waiting tables and you just you put everything off that you need to do you know before you go to work until like the last 30 minutes and then you're just scrambling to get your shirt ironed and get your Mm. you know your apron ironed and just get yourself ready and you just go into your day not being, you know, totally on top of it. So, you know, for me, oftentimes, um, I, you know, again, two small kids, I oftentimes will put them to bed and I'll get back on, on my computer and I will finish any email that I did not finish. I will try to do before or foresee for the next day so that I don't have to spend the first two hours of my day answering emails. Um, I actually still handle all of the accounts payable in our company and all the bank reconciliation so a lot of times i'll do that late at night so that i don't have to go into the next day wondering when am i going to fit this into my day so you know i think that the one thing that you have to be when you're in the restaurant industry you're committed to long hours and you know for me now not being in the restaurants all the time you know my long hours you know still happen they just happen you know, luckily, sometimes they happen over a glass of wine at home, you know, at the dining room table. But, um, but yeah, so for me, it's really just, you know, I try not to end my day with any loose ends open. Awesome. I love it, Angela. And um, now we just need to, to, like, take one of these it factors, whether it's your ability to prioritize or make a list or whether you, it's your ability to, like, be proactive and not reactive. Take us to a story, Angela, where one of these it factors really shone through. Bring us down to the moment. And, like, tell us, like, what was going on, you know, how it helped you get to the next level. Oh, well, um, that's a hard one. I don't know. Um, let me think about this. I think that, um, well, I guess I can give you the most recent example. Um, so, so we just opened two restaurants. Um, and, you know, construction is never on time. So one restaurant was supposed to be done in early May and the other one we knew would happen in, in June. And it so happened that we were opening two restaurants on one day, uh, which is crazy. Wow. And, it's so, <laughs> I can't even and, imagine. and <laughs> I, I sort of can't imagine either, but it did happen. And so, um, you know, it was one of those things that we really had to divide and we have an amazing executive team. So it's myself and my husband, we have a culinary director, we have, you know, a couple of, you know, main ops guys. And we just had to really like, prioritize of, okay, I'm doing this, and these are the things that I'll handle for this one specific restaurant. I'm not even going to worry about this other restaurant because you, you, and you all have that. You know, so we really had to kind of set these priorities and say, okay, we're going to do this, and this is how the only way that we can do this is if I only prioritize on the restaurant that I'm assigning myself, and I literally do not concern myself with what's happening at the other one. And, you know, both restaurants opened, 
huge. I mean, so far we're only a few, couple weeks in on both, but they both opening nights were great. You know, we we all felt really successful. There were no major hiccups, and so I think that that was one thing that really like our our ability to um, to kind of prioritize and make you know give each other our you know specific jobs really paid off. Wow. Uh, I mean, I think I'm going to throw another it factor at you just from listening to you. Okay. I think it's delegation. I mean, I was looking at your totally. list of all these people that have, you know, that you work with and you have such a huge team of people and I don't mm-hmm. know how you could pull off an opening of two restaurants on the same day without just having that ability just to make sure like, you know, everyone's doing their job and just to delegate those roles, um, which I'm sure we'll probably find more about in this interview. Uh, but I mean, how important do you think that is? If you, would you say that's another one of your it factors? Oh, totally. Well, you know, people always say like, how can you have as many restaurants as you have? And to be perfectly honest, it's sometimes easier to have, have, you know, 10, 12 restaurants than it is to have one. Having one restaurant is really hard because you have to do everything. You can't delegate anything. You're the person who does payroll. You're the person, you know, who checks in all of the orders. You're the person who washes dishes. If you can't, you know, I mean, you just, you are the be all end all of that one restaurant. When you have, you know, more, you can can you can build a team and we have an amazing group of people who i you know i, I couldn't imagine getting through a work day without you know well, a, 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 the, the, our, our core people so <laughs> we have some questions later on in the interview that will touch on this and i cannot wait uh-huh. um i have to ask have you ever heard of the book eat that frog no i think you eat that frog <laughs> yeah it's called eat that frog and it's all about um just getting things done and i think it's like i feel like you have read it because the advice you're giving is so similar like i'm gonna write that down yeah you'd love it all right we'll save that for another day um maybe i'll do an episode dedicated to it but we've got to talk now about your failures angela i mean we learned so much from people's successes and what contributes Mm -hmm. to their successes but we learn the most i personally believe from those failures that other people experience so tell us about a time angela that you just fell hard on your ass (laughs) <laughs> and then tell us how you got back up. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, we, we have, we've closed a restaurant. Um, so I, I guess that that would, I mean, that, that does, you know, categorize as a, as a pretty big failure. Um, Take us through it, Angela. Like, what was it that yeah, you think Yeah, you know, happened? it was, I feel like, I, I feel like, you know, the day, I will say, though, that I feel like the day, to, you know, I've had more day-to-day failures, Um that I think are almost bigger than the story I'm going to tell you. Like, it's a bigger failure to me when I'm not totally clear um, with an employee who maybe we've had to terminate, um, who we're firing, and and I haven't been as clear as maybe I should have been. And so there were more hurt feelings than maybe there needed to. Like, that feels like a bigger failure to me than closing a restaurant. Can you, you like... uh be more specific. Like what, you weren't clear about what yeah. the role, the job this person had. Like, was it your, yeah, you like it was so, your failure in explaining the job? Well, no, you know, we had, we, you know, we had a chef that we let go and we really care about him. And instead of just saying, you know what, these are the things that you did that are just not okay. We are letting you go. We kind of beat around the bush and said, well, we can transfer you to this other restaurant. And, 
you know, mm. we know that that might not be what you want. And, and it just like, that feels like a failure to me. Like, I feel like I, we would have been, I would have been so much better off if I had just said, I really like you, but you didn't do, you know what? You didn't do X, Y, and Z. I have to fire you. Mm. Like that feels like a failure to me. Like I failed that person because I wasn't clear to them and I didn't give them the tools that they would need to, to go to another job and not repeat what they did. Mm. Um, I love that you, you take know, that ownership. I just, I mean, I don't want to interrupt, um, but it's just, yeah, I think it's I mean, really valuable that you, you know, we can learn a lot from that lesson of just owning it, you know, not pointing fingers or saying, you know, it's partially my fault. Do you think maybe before you guys engaged in whatever it was you're doing, did you not spell out the roles well? I think that we just didn't want to, you know, we, we end up becoming really close with our, the mm. people that we work with. And I think that we just, I think that, you know, my husband and I were so invested in this person mm-hmm. and cared about this person so much that we actually did all of ourselves an injustice by not just being a little bit more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that feels like a bigger failure than closing our first restaurant, which I, you know, you chalk up to, it. we closed, you know, nine months after the fall of Washington Mutual, which was right across the street. You know, that seems like a really clear, like the economy tanked, it was a recession. Like that mm-hmm. seems like, is that a failure? Or is that just a result of a bad economy? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I look at that as a failure, but I think that there are everyday little failures like the one I just explained that, are, that weigh on me more than closing a restaurant. And I think that as a result of that, and as a result of like, you know, several years going by and then finally coming back to this person and, and being, you know, kind of like making amends with each other and kind of like build, rebuilding that fence and saying like, I actually really care about you as a person and we cared about you as an employee. And none of us handled this whole situation very well has taught me more than maybe closing a restaurant because it taught me, you know what, just be really clear with people. Just, you know, lay down your expectations. And, you know, if if something's come up and, and you have to do something that's really unpleasant, just say what's really unpleasant. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't beat around the bush. It's like because ripping a chances off. are <laughs> Yeah, chances are you're just going to hurt everyone's feelings, including your own. You know, like I felt like I was really, you know, I was really hurt by the situation too. And so I think that that's one of the things that like, those are the little failures I think that matter more than maybe our like financial successes and failures. Mm, I love it. And one thing that kind of really stood out to me and it's, it kind of stems from my uh, you know research of studying Ari Weinswag of Zingerman's. Um, one of the things he writes about in his books is about how our strengths can sometimes be our weaknesses. And I think that's what I'm hearing here. I mean, in our in, in this industry, so often the, the strengths that make us successful are, is that social intelligence and that empathy, that ability to feel for other people and care for other people. And I feel like that got the best of you because now you don't want to like hurt feelings because you care about these people, but because of it, you weren't clear and you didn't just spell it out. And that's a great lesson. I think we can all take away. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we've busted through the first half of this interview, Angela, and are you ready now just to drop these bombs of knowledge on us as a speed round? You ready for it? All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right. The first question I have for you is what is your advice for getting that initial capital to get a restaurant going and just funding that, that first restaurant? 
I think that you have to get in front. You have to know your customers. You need to get in front of the people who are coming into your restaurants. You need to know who all of your regulars are. And you need to be able to engage with them and, and build relationships with them because they're the people who are going to fund your first restaurant. Yeah, A bank is not going to fund your first restaurant. How do you get to know them? Like, what do you do? How do you get this information? Uh, you know, you sit down at the end of your shift if they're still at the bar and have a drink with them. You, you know, if if you can go to that, you know, if you've known them long enough, mm-hmm. if you get to that kind of casual of a place, you know, if you're in the kitchen, it's, you know, always recognizing that table that comes in and sits, you know, in the corner and always loves your, I don't know, beef tartare. And mm-hmm. you, you somehow, like, make it, you know, you engage with them and, and talk to them. And not and you know what? You have to not be afraid to tell them what your goals are. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, people come in and have dinner and they don't know that, you know, you might have just gotten out of culinary school and your goal is to open, you know, your own restaurant in the next two years. Because, you know what? They might love coming in and having your food and, you know, they they might want to help you. So you never know who's sitting in your dining room. And I mm-hmm. think being in Seattle especially, um, because we have a lot of, um, you know, growing tech industry here, um, you never know if the guy in the corner, you know, wearing jeans and a ratty T-shirt might be like, you know, might fund your entire, you know, restaurant. So I think you have to be okay talking to your guests and getting to know the people who come into the restaurant. I couldn't agree more. And uh, one of the things that I've learned just from listening to people like you and just researching success in general is people, they don't buy what. They buy who and why. And when people get to know the who and the why behind the restaurants, why you're doing, what your goals are, they get emotionally attached. They get emotionally invested in what you're trying to do. And that's when you really start building that brand and that uh, you really connect, and that's why people come back because they're just connected to you. Not, I mean, you don't tell a chef this, but it's, it's more sometimes to do with the people than it is with the food. And I think that you're living proof yeah. of that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so the next question I have for you, Angela, is on the topic of hiring people. When you're looking for people, what are you looking for? What questions are you asking? Is there a type of person you're looking for? Are you looking at any certain places? Talk to us. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously you want people, you want to check off all the bo- the right boxes, you know, of, of having the right, you know, professional skills to, to fit the certain type of restaurant. And we have, you know, casual restaurants and we have a little bit more upscale restaurants. So, you know, you definitely have to, people have to have the professional skills to fit in. But to be really honest, you know, we want people who, we want people who are nice. Mm. You know, I, so, and I'll just tell you, and I would tell pretty much anyone this, my big pet peeve is the really snotty hipster server. I can't stand it. (laughs) Because you know what? We're not in this business to judge other people. We're not in this business to be rude to other people. We're in to give great hospitality and be nice to people. And so, you know, I don't want someone who, you know, in an interview, I'm like, ooh, did they just have a really bad day? Or they, you know, maybe they're normally a little bit more chipper and, you know, a little bit more enthusiastic. Like, I don't want to have to hope that someone's going to be nice, you know? Um, and, and that's sort of, for, for me, that's really, that kind of is at the core is that you have to be friendly. You have to be engaging. You have to be caring. Um, and if you don't have those things, then I think that you run the risk of being, you know, I'm, I'm too cool for you hipster server who has for, for me and for our restaurants, we just don't have a place for. So is this something you can pick up on right away when you meet somebody? Like, are you just looking for like that? Uh, wh- how does this person make me feel initially? That first impression? Is that what I'm hearing? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that you can tell, you know, if I think that you can tell for one, if somebody really cares about, you know, the industry and who, who wants to learn and who respects the industry. Um, you know, I think that the, the great thing about the restaurant industry is it, be, is it can be a vehicle to another career. Oh, yeah. um, but I think that and I think that that's so important. But I think that respecting where you are at that time and respecting what it is and, and understanding that it's, you know, maybe someone's lifelong career, mm-hmm. like it is mine. Um, but that, you know, but that you have enough integrity for it to be your, you know, interim career, I think that having that kind of respect for the industry is really important. And that's what I think comes through. And I think that if you can see that and understand that, you know what, the person that you're serving dinner to, you don't know what their day was like. They might have just gotten the best news of their lives and they need to share that with you. Or they may have gotten the worst news of the, you know, like if you just don't know where people are in the spectrum of their day. And so people who are just, you have to be compassionate. You have mm. to be nice. I love Those it. are kind of my... My Great. big thing. I love it. So when you find these nice people that love making others happy, that respect the industry, what do you do, Angela, to keep them on your team? Well, so this is something that we really, we, you know, it's really important to us. And I, you know, I, I mentioned this is, it's really important to us to give back to our community, to give back to our employees. And I think in giving back to our employees, for us, it's creating a company and an environment where, People can stay for a long time where they can have, you know, I'm super excited, you know, when our managers come and say that they bought their first house or that they're having a baby or, you know, like we want those kinds of people to work for us. We want those kinds of people to stay in the restaurant industry. Um, And so, so we try to, you know, to make schedules so that, you know, if, if you have, we have a sous chef whose wife um, has um, Saturday Sundays off. Uh, you know, he's a sous chef, and we're going to make sure that he either has a Saturday or a Sunday off. Mm. Um, and he might be a sous chef with a Saturday off, which is amazing for him, um, but it, it, because it's important for him to be with his wife on the weekends. Like, that's important for their marriage, and so it's important for us. I hear and you. so we try to really kind of promote that kind of culture in our, on, in our restaurants, um, and I think that's how we take care of our, our employees. I hope, I hope that's, that's, that's what comes through. Awesome. So what I'm hearing is you have to create that environment that makes people want to stay. And you said one of the things you do is you just accommodate schedules and you create that culture of just you intend for people to be there for a long time. But aside from giving people and being flexible with the schedule, what else do you do to create that environment? Well, I mean, I think that we, you know, I mean, I I don't think it's as as interesting to give the laundry list of, you know, benefits that you might get. But Mm -hmm. I think that the other thing that we do as far as our management team, and then I think our management team takes it back to their individual restaurants and does this, is we tend to do a lot of, like, success exercises or happiness exercises (laughs) at the beginning of our meetings. And when we first started doing it, I think everyone just thought it was so hokey. Um, But we do things, I think, that just try to help make – all of us feel like we're better people. And um, I don't know, I'm trying to give the example of last month I gave everyone the task of like, what is one thing that you do that you like, that you wish you didn't do? Like what's a, what's a trait that you have? Like for me being the CFO of the company and kind of like the, I mean, my husband is my business partner. He's also a chef. So like I sometimes am like the voice of reason, but you know, my thing is I always go to the no, like I'm always like, no, we can't do that because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so for a month I 
tried to change my perspective and say, okay, how can I say yes first instead of no first? And so we get, and so we give like little challenges. And so we go around, there's a room of probably 30, it's our managers, two chefs and, um, and chefs, and we all went around and said, what's that one thing that you want to work on for the month? And you hear all sorts of things that people really want to work on. Like, I want to get up every, you know, like you'll hear a chef say, I want to get up every day and, and actually go to the gym, not just in 10 <laughs> people, you know, and then count how many, and, you know, and they feel like they're a better person for doing it and just giving them, you know, and, and you know, that's not, I don't know, it seems, might seem like such a hokey thing that we do, but I, I really not. feel like. I think it, it makes our, our staff feel like they are getting something more out of our company than yeah. just going and to work every day. Just that you actually care about them and that you want to hear what, you know, that these, these happiness exercises. That's the first time everybody ever said that on the show, and I love it. Yeah, it's but weird. It, it's, yeah. it's great, though. I mean, this, this industry is so, like, so much of our success is dependent on the energy. And when you have that positive energy and you're always looking to the future, I mean, it just rubs off on people. And then it rubs off on your guests, and it, it just it's just yeah. awesome. But I also love how you ask yourself how. And I think that's a really important yeah. lesson, too, because... So many, so many people just say no, like you used to do. But when we stop and say, well, how can I make this happen? Those creative juices just start running. And there's so much that we can do and so much that's possible. We just ask ourselves, how can we make it possible? There's always a way. Yeah. So I think that's really yep. cool. All right. So let's talk about some of the resources you recommend. I mean, I believe in just like reading and just getting out there and surrounding yourself with the advice of people who are successful. That's what this podcast is all about. So can you think of any books or resources, websites out there that you would recommend yeah. and can share with our listeners? Yeah. So, okay. So I just talked about this happiness, happiness exercise that we do. And, um, there is, and I'm not going to remember the author, but, um, the book is called the happiness advantage. And it essentially talks about how, you can be more productive at work um, and get more, you know, have more happier and more productive employees um, if if they can kind of gravitate toward the principles in this happiness, uh, the happiness advantage of this book. So I would definitely recommend that for a read. A fellow restaurateur recommended to me um, uh, an app on my phone um, called Headspace, um, and it's just, it's like 10 minutes of like mindful meditation a day. Um, and I think that that actually really kind of helps you to reset. And, you know, especially like if you're in a really busy restaurant, doing it before shift starts or just sometime if you need a crazy day, if you can take 10 minutes and just either sit in your car or your office or wherever you can and just have a little bit of this mindful meditation, I think it kind of like slows things down a little bit, which it's, I think we all need in this industry. It's called Headspace? Headspace. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. Awesome. I'll yeah. put that in the show notes. And I do you think that's one of your it factors? By the way, being able to meditate, taking that time to meditate. I don't know. Well, so I will. I will total disclaimer say that I I intend to meditate <laughs> meditate more than I do. So I would try to do it, but um, I'm a big runner, so I try to I try to take 30 minutes of my day, whether it's actual meditating or getting outside and getting some sort of exercise and you know that kind of clearing my head. That might be my it factor too. Um, awesome. Uh, Another resource that, and this is a total plug for a company that I'm super excited about, um, there's a company called Zenga that we've been working with that helps um, restaurants like ours, um, especially, you know, multi-unit restaurants, uh, restaurant owners, um, link uh, their their restaurant reservations and guest codes together so we can know, oh. you know, when we have a, a guest who's been at, 
you know, our restaurant had to cook wolf, um, you know, five times in the last three months. And when they go into Tavolata, you know, in another neighborhood, the, the folks at Tavolata, the, the staff that works down there will know that they're already regulars in our restaurant group. So, so that's when he, I'm super excited about that. That's called Zanga, you said? Yeah, Venga, V-E-N-G-A. Oh, beautiful. That's the first time I mentioned on the show. Is that kind of like Swipely in your Avero Sing Shop, but with the ability to link with multiple locations? Yeah, you can link locations. It allows OpenTable and your POS system to talk um, to each other to um, uh, so you can get, you know, guest information, what mm-hmm. kind of wine they like. Mm-hmm. Um, you can I... really, you know, customize um, the guest experience Great. to... Yeah, to their buying habits. Well, you had a it's few. Cool. You had a few first-time mentions on the show, so I'm excited about that. And the book. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, the book "Happiness Advantage." The author is Sean Aker. I just looked it up. So if you folks are yeah. interested, there you go. Awesome. The next question I have for you is on the topic of marketing. So, what do you think you mm-hmm. do that most contributes to the success of your marketing? You know, to be honest, um, I, I think that it's we get a lot of of word of mouth um, in the community. And I think while this isn't part of our marketing plan, um, I think the amount of time that we spend in the community giving back, so doing charitable events in the community, um, is, is actually has been really helpful for us from a marketing standpoint as well. And again, it's not why we do it, um, but I think that it's, especially in a city like Seattle, where it's actually you know really important to people to see that the, the restaurants that they're supporting are giving back um, I think for us that's been that's actually been a huge win for us, mm. um, and and it feels good to do it. But I think it's also you know you get it, you go to a charity event and you'll talk to you know ten people who might not know your restaurant exists, but they're so happy that you're supporting something that's meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. And then they tell ten of their friends, and so all of a sudden you've created a little bit more of a client base. Um, so that's been one way. You know, we definitely try to take advantage of social media as, as much as we can. Um, but you know, it's it's hard to stay on top of that and everything else sometimes. But, yeah, I don't know um, how you do it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think you just have to kind of start thinking outside of the box a little bit. But just being out in the community, I think, for us has been um, has been really helpful. I'm so happy you wrote, you went in this direction. I made some notes before the interview started. Um, one of the things I've noticed and something I see just from looking into your uh, restaurants is the restaurants that are really good at marketing are just awesome. And they just try really hard to be great and to do good, and then they're transparent. And when you're just when you're good and you really do things for the right reasons to help other people, and you just open the windows, you open the shades to the world so they can see what you're doing. But you not you don't you don't do these things so people will see, but you just do them because it's the right thing. Like what you do with the Seattle Mariners project and what you're doing mm-hmm. with the run, you know, the Eat Run Hope. I mean, those mm-hmm. are things that are important to you. Things that are important to Ethan, and I'm like just. You know, creating awareness about like sourcing for like local foods on what you do with the, the Mariners. I mean, I'll let you talk more about that. But I sure, mean. yeah. So, so Ethan, I mean, you couldn't have offered him a better job than with the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> he has been he has been a fan of the Mariners since he was I don't know five years old. Like he, the man eats and breathes Seattle sports. He, I, I've I've not met a person who is so dedicated to his Seattle sports teams. Um, so, so yeah, so that's been really great. And, you know, I think for him, it, 
the and and for you know kind of leads to the culture of our company is to be able to go to Safeco Field where the Mariners play and get good food, not a crappy hot dog, not nachos mm-hmm. with you know fake cheese, which I'm sure you can still probably get somewhere yeah. at the stadium. <laughs> um, but you have options mm-hmm. for you know um, you know grass fed burger. You can get um, you know there's like you know oysters you know fried oysters that you can get that are you know local there's you know we're taking one thing that i think has been really great is taking um you know a lot of the big box um restaurant suppliers and taking those products and put them in the hands of local companies um that are owned and operated here in seattle and so that's been really positive with the mariners and that's one thing that we that's really important to us and then eat run hope um which is another event um, that we created actually four years ago. Um, our, we had twin sons who were stillborn. And out of that tragedy, we decided that it was an opportunity to start a conversation with our community and, and use our platform to talk about something, frankly, that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people and doesn't need to be, um, and also to raise awareness around, you know, the need for good, you know, access to, um, to, to healthcare, um, and especially, you know, for women and families who are going through a fetal diagnosis, um, to have access to the hospitals that they need. And, you know, when we went through what we experienced was weeks of doctor's appointments two to three times a week, um, before our, our boys passed. And, you know, we just kept thinking to ourselves, what would we do if we didn't live in Seattle? Um, and so after, after you know, we had a few months of grieving, we said, okay, we have to do something to help other families. Yeah. And so we got involved with an organization called the Fetal Health Foundation. We launched Eat, Run, Hope, which is a 5K run. And then we got, you know, a bunch of our restaurant friends together. And we do a huge chef's pavilion. And there's 500 people eating and drinking. And we're raising money um, to help with travel grants um, for families. We founded last year the Nathaniel and Gabriel Stoll Memorial Research Grant, which is providing um, research funding to scientists and hospitals to try to advance fetal mm-hmm. health. So, you know, we took something really personal and we tried to make a change and to give back. And so that's important to us. That's, that's really important to us. So we're proud wow. of that. Work. Well, thank you for all you do for your community. I'm, I'm out here in New Hampshire and I, I feel like I still need to thank you for all you do. <laughs> like, it's not oh, my sure. community, but like now <laughs> I can make an example of people who are just do the right things. And uh, I mean, that's what I'm hearing is just find something that you, you know, resonates with you. That's important to you that you're passionate about, whether it's something that's extremely, you know, passionate or, you know, sensitive like what you just shared with us or something that, that's mm-hmm. like a sport and sustainability like mm-hmm. whatever resonates yeah. with you you know use those passions to just find a way to help others and when yeah. you do that i mean you can't do anything better to like just put all that positive energy around your business so amazing stuff thank you for those great examples sure um all right so let's talk a little bit about technologies like how are you leveraging i mean the the industry is changing faster than ever there's all these tools that are available to us today and there's so many things we can be doing that we don't even know about that can make us more profitable more efficient uh more whatever i mean what can you share with us that you're using front of house or back of house that you've just seen great results with yeah so like i said i I think um vanga which we're just getting up and launched i think is going to be a really exciting tool that we can use to um, you know, share information across our restaurant group. We use a program called C2IT, um, uh, C-T-U-I-T, C2IT. Um, and that allows you to take a, like, a little bit, dive a little bit deeper in what's going on with 
um, in your restaurants. You can it can generate reporting about you know certain times of the night that aren't in your reservation books or make you know different business changes around that. You can really dial into reports and have very specific reports um, sent to I don't know say you know a very specific food cost report on one item sent to your pastry chef to you know help make that that change and and so that software has been really um, really helpful. Um, we, uh, those are probably our two big ones. Um, I mean, you know, we, um, I don't know, we probably would not be able to operate our company without Dropbox because we share so many documents. Um, and I think, you know, on the technology front, one thing that has been really important to us and, and has really kind of been a cornerstone for us is to have a really amazing website. And I don't know, again, that might just be a Seattle thing because we are so tech driven up here, but I, you know, a good website is so important and we it, we drive so much business through our website and just making it's just another way to to create a really great guest experience um one thing that we do on our website is um our website we actually have a mobile device a different um app well it's not an app it's um so that you're it looks different on your reactive your yes thank you no so you know the nice the nice thing about that is not you know getting on your iPhone and then logging into a restaurant's website and then getting onto a PDF of their mm-hmm. menu. Like, you know, just creating, you know, an easier way for the guests to get information, um, I think is really important. And it just is one more level of customer service. So I actually think that website is super important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other piece... One other piece of um, one other company that we do a lot of work with is called Gratify, um, and they're so they're an online app um, company where you could gift, say, a glass of wine or um, an appetizer to a friend, but you can also buy online gift cards, virtual gift cards, oh, cool. um, and so that's been super helpful for us too, especially when you're in the crunch of the holidays. You're just crushing it with all these resources and tools. Wow. I know. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, so, so that's one that I really like, and you know, it's it's a little startup company, but I think they're super smart, and and I love the fact that that um, that you can do the online gift card thing. I think is wow, that's that's awesome. I think awesome. So just to recap, I hired Zanga, Ctwit uh, for you know data collection, all that Dropbox mm-hmm. for just sharing files, having a great website. Is there a service you use for a website, or is it just a local builder that you have out there? We have yeah, we have a local a local designer who does all of our. He does actually does he does photography for our website. Oh, he wow. did the photography for my husband's cookbook, and then he. Um, uh, and then he does our website. Great. And then you said gratify all great stuff. I'll gratify. link, I'll yeah. link to all these in the show notes for you listeners at cool. home. Just go to restaurant unstoppable slash Angela Stonewell. And, uh, we'll have that right there in the links. All right. So the next question, we're almost wrapping it up. Uh, if you could go back in time, Angela, and just give yourself one piece of business advice, maybe when you were just going to business with your husband, like what would that, that business advice be? Oh, I think that, you know, it's it's something that we live by now. Um, it's spend money up front that you don't have to spend later. Um, and an example of that is spend money on a good attorney to make sure that you have a great lease. Mm. Don't don't try to, you know, don't try to skimp money there because you just you want to make sure that those are the important details that you really get right. You know, cuz nobody wants to go into a deal 5 years down the road and realize that you didn't look at the percentage rent clause closely enough. You know, um 
I would say, you know, spending the money to find like the right accountant and to get the right like financial pieces in place. I, and those are the parts where I think it's money really well spent. So if I had any advice, and we've you know learned the hard way on a few of those, that um, that you know just make sure that you you know cross all of your T's and dot all of your I's and and get those things that maybe we as restaurant people are not, you know. I mean, I'm the CFO of the company, and I, I do not have a degree in economics or accounting. Um, you know, I've just grown into this role. Um, you know, I'm a political science major, so I mean that tells tell, you know that tells you what it will. But what kind you know, of major the best you? Thing, I missed it. Political science. Oh, okay. Wow. So nothing pivot. to do with what I do now. I know. Uh, so you know, I, I, but I really got this like kind of you know <laughs> trial and error education. Um, in finance and a few other things just by making some mistakes. And so I would probably say just, you know, make sure that, that those are the things that you totally get covered. Yeah. And, you know, on the topic of spending money up front so you don't spend it later, one thing I want to mention and one thing I've observed about you, and a lot of people, they're afraid to adopt these tools and resources so they can do their job to the best of their ability. And I feel like all these, like, tools you suggested, like uh, Zynga and C-Tweet and Gratify and a good website and all these things, I know they don't come free. And so often we're right. hesitant to invest in these things. But what you get in return, I mean, you make that money back. And, and you spend that money now so you don't have to lose it later, I guess, is another way yeah, to say and, it. But and it, you know what? And some of these things, like, you know, for for me – you know, I we didn't sign. You know, Venga was one that we didn't sign on with for a while because I thought, you know, is the cost really like? Mm. Can we? Is the return on our investment really worth it? And then we just started seeing like, okay, how much could we maximize? You know, our business. Like, how you know, how many more regulars could we create? And you know what? If we get someone who you know, because of this product, we create a great guest experience, and they start coming in, you know three times a month instead of twice a month. Like, you've just paid for that service. So mm-hmm. for me, like, we really do. It's not like we just have the money to throw out all of these things. But, you know, when when we built our new website and we started selling gift cards online, we made all of that mm. money back that we sent on building a exactly. great site. We, we made it back in the first couple of months. Yeah. So, you know, it's just really, like, those are the things. And so not everything is going to be worth it, you know. Mm-hmm. Not every product out there that, that somebody tries to sell to you to better your business is going to better your business. Mm. Um, and so you say no to those. So awesome. you just have to pick what is right for you. Wow. Well, I mean, those are all the questions I had for you. I mean, can you think of any other cool. questions I could have asked, Angela, that you think would have brought more value to this interview? No, I think that you you know what you're doing. You've got you've got a great great thing dialed in, and I really appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you uh, bringing me into this conversation. It's great. Well, I'm honored that you were a guest. Um, it's been great, and now we're gonna wrap it up. You're gonna call somebody out, Angela. Who's one indie restaurant professional you admire? Somebody you think is just doing great things in their community that we can all learn from, like we learned from you today as a guest mentor on the show. Mm. I think that you could probably call out Shelly Lindgren from A16 in San Francisco. Shelly Lindgren. And, and you would probably have an amazing conversation with her. All right. And she's doing really cool things. Awesome. Shelly, look out. I'm coming after you. Uh, thank you so much, Angela. Uh, you've been incredible. Um, I think I don't think I'm missing anything. Oh, just let the folks at home know how we can connect with you. Maybe if they're out in Seattle and they want to come join an incredible sure. team and learn from you and uh, come up underneath your, your tutelage, how can we connect? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find us at Um 
um, uh, we can you can link to any of our restaurants there. Um, uh, and you can always uh, email us at info at EthanStoleRestaurants.com. And awesome. I'll have you, all you those links. the right people. I have all those cool. ways to connect in the show notes. Again, just go to restaurantunstoppable slash Angela Stowell. Uh, the links to everything we discussed, to the books you mentioned, to the tools you mentioned, to the contact information will be all there in the show notes. Again, you've been incredible, Angela. There's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Cheers. Another episode crushed out of the park by another amazing guest, Angela Stowell. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just being a mentor, sharing your advice and knowledge with us. There's no questioning why you and your husband, Ethan, are doing great things out there in Seattle. If you guys enjoyed this episode and you want more like it, Shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com with your recommendations and people you want to hear from, topics you want to discuss. I don't have the answers, but I'll find somebody who does have the answers and have them as a guest on the show. And don't be afraid to check out restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and slash tools for all the books our past guests have recommended and the tools they use in their restaurants. Uh, Find out what you can do today to become unstoppable by taking their advice. Alright guys, that's all I have for you. Until next time, peace out.